You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me as always is my good friend Frank Madden. And bringing you today's episode is Draft. Our friends over at Draft have a very fun app that that we are on literally every Wednesday. Um, I won one of the drafts we had last week, Frank. I lost the other one. Um, so I'm feeling okay. And I'm going to say maybe you're not going to take my money this week, but maybe you will. And if you want to do so, join us over on Draft. You can download the app uh, on. You can download the app in your app store, or you can head over to Draft.com. Go ahead and do that today, and then follow at Eric underscore name and at Lockdown Frank, and we'll try to get you into uh, this week's draft. Normally, we try to do one with new people, and I think we got. Two or three new followers last week. I think we got one or two in, and maybe the other one or two we didn't get in. So we'll try to get you guys in a draft this week, and hopefully you have a couple other new followers that join in. And you can do it all for free. Essentially, you can get into the game for free. It is very simple. All you have to do is download the app and then use the promo code LOBUCKS. Again, that's LOBUCKS for Lockdown Bucks. And when you do that, you get a free play with your first deposit. And that free play will be for a $3 game. Our games are always $3 games and you can get in for free and try to take our money. So go ahead and do that on draft. Frank, uh, kind of what we're going through today is it's kind of a strange time. Obviously Jason Kidd got fired and we had our big Jason Kidd got fired podcast. Um, and it was funny. I was telling you before we did it that uh, a bunch of people during the day were like, Oh, I was so excited to listen to lockdown bucks, like Jason Kidd fired edition. And like, uh, I feel like people were expecting like a parade or like music and celebration and, I don't know that that is necessarily what they got yesterday, so hopefully people weren't disappointed, but obviously still have to kind of go through some of the fallout uh, of, of all of that. And I guess the, the place I'll start today is the national media is talking about the Milwaukee Bucks, not necessarily for the reason that you would ever want to be in the news, firing a coach and kind of having some sort of turmoil within your well, wait, organization. Well, wait a minute. I mean, Bucks fans are thrilled to be in the media for the fire. This is true. This is true. Kidd, but but generically, generically, generally, firing a coach is not typically good. Yes. yes. Uh, so normally not a good thing. And even today, I guess it was kind of perfect Milwaukee Bucks that the Cavs did some crazy stuff. The Spurs had some crazy stuff yesterday. So like, the jump, it was like eight minutes in that they talked about Jason Kidd. It was like, whoa, what happened there? Like, I, that was like, even on a day where the Bucks make news, like, they still don't make enough news to lead shows. Um, but that's okay. Uh, some people still, and honestly, as I heard more national reaction, it, I probably wish that they didn't even talk about it at all um, because it, it just ended up being very frustrating. 
Yeah, uh, and and frustrating in probably pretty predictable ways. Um, yeah. I, you know, I, I think the uh, places that I expected to have, you know, informed takes um, had pretty informed takes, and the places um, read former players uh, who are on TV. <laughs> Uh, who I did not expect to have uh, good takes had uh, very predictable takes, um, and I would start with uh, with uh, and and I saw a tweet about this yesterday. But I'll start with with a, a good take from people who generally always have very good informed takes, and that's our friends uh, Nate Duncan and Danny Larue at the Dunked On Podcast. And I think Nate tweeted that they literally had just recorded a podcast about coaching rankings and they had just uh explained why they had jason kidd as the worst head coach in the nba when they logged off twitter or sorry they they finished their podcast looked on twitter and uh, apparently nate then sent uh danny a text that was just lol lol because <laughs> jason kidd their worst coach in basketball had been fired um so they, you know nate and danny obviously broke it down and and captured uh, i think a lot of you know the general uh sentiment that that you would expect that you would you know, also hear from us um we obviously think that people who agree with us have great takes uh, Always. <laughs> uh our friends uh ben goliver and andrew sharp i think andrew and ben actually had the first podcast about this because they were recording a podcast about other stuff and then the news broke during the podcast so they sort of reacted on the fly and um you know uh i feel like uh i talked to andrew enough that that he knows uh all the talking points on jason <laughs> kidd <laughs> And uh, he's a and Bucks he's, Mafia member. He's 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 honorary Bucks Mafia. He's had some, um, you know, his, his, the relationship has been frayed at he's times. He's had some moments of weakness. He's had some moments of weakness, um, but he's always been uh, in on Giannis since like literally draft night. And uh, I, I've enjoyed hearing uh, Andrew and and Ben Goliver talk about Giannis Inc. Uh, their idea of you know Giannis, and they they were talking about Giannis Inc. and you know how Giannis basically needs to become more like LeBron and. Uh, you know, getting Jason Kidd fired would have been a good start to that. Obviously, that's not how it worked out, but um, but it was it was funny. Uh, you know, it, well, it's been it's been funny listening to them just sort of offer their takes on on Giannis and the Bucks sort of over the the past couple months, and obviously kind of uh, you know all leading up to to the other day. So so that was interesting. And then um, I'll, I'll say one other take, which I heard a couple times because I heard it on I think it was on the Jump today. And then also I heard it on um, ESPN's Hoop Collective. Um, and that was from from Nick Friedel, who covers the Bulls for ESPN. Or, you know, he's, I guess, ESPN Chicago. Um, and he's, it was kind he's of... He's around a lot. Like, this yeah. year, like, they're just... Uh, since the Bulls kind of suck, they're just like, all right, man, go go around wherever the story is that time. So I see him in Milwaukee plenty. Yeah, and so his his general take was... Uh, it it was basically a, a sort of backhanded defensive kid with this argument of just you know yes the Bucks had all these expectations but he just doesn't think the Bucks are that good um, or their rosters isn't that good and I'm just gonna deconstruct it here for you because so the the argument I think he, his point on the jump was or, or maybe it was on the the hoop collective but it was the same basic idea because he was just giving the same take twice. He had this thing about like, oh, well, when when Giannis is in the game, they just defer to Giannis. And then when he leaves the game, then they have a lot m- much better flow and ball movement. And then when he comes back in, they just ask him to save him. And I was just like, what? Is, first off, what is it like? First off, are you implying that like the Bucks are like better without Giannis? Because like 
no friggin' way is there any evidence that the Bucks are better without Giannis or they play a better brand of basketball without Giannis. I mean, you know, again, they've beaten the Suns twice without Giannis, so that's that's a plus. But certainly all the evidence is that the Bucks are are really, really bad when Giannis is not on the court. Um and suggesting it, it, at any it also, moment that the Bucks have good ball movement, eh, probably yeah. gonna be a stretch for me. Like that's just right. not something that really exists with the Bucks this season. Right. And and so part of me was wondering, like, you know, and again, like you said, I know he did it's not like Nick just sees the Bucks when they played the Bulls. Obviously, if that was the case, then you would understand having a very down opinion of the Bucks. Although I don't know how you could watch um, Fred Hoiberg out coach Jason Kidd twice and think like, oh, this is the roster. The roster is definitely yeah. the problem with this team. They're just not as good as the Bulls. Um, that that if anything, that would make you probably watching those Bulls games would probably make you less less convinced of uh, of Jason Kidd than than anything. But um, but it was sort of his argument, and I think he did sort of allude to the idea of like like it kind of like some of the Cavs teams with LeBron, like they, they are super dysfunctional. And, and this sort of didn't really mesh with some of the other stuff he said, but um, I think I, I sort of pulled out an idea that, that is somewhat reasonable, which is that, you know, when teams are so dependent on one star and they don't necessarily have a good system otherwise, like they're more likely to be bad when they're not on the court, you know, which you've seen with mm. LeBron, like, like Kyrie and love lineups were terrible with, with, without LeBron, right? Like, Stuff like, like you think they would be passable, but they just haven't. They weren't the last couple of years, and obviously this year we're seeing that with with Giannis too. Like the Bucks just sort of go to pieces um, when he's not in the game. And um, again, I'm not really sure why that is not an indictment of the coaching staff. But again, I think the the point that Fredell was making was that like the roster just isn't good enough or doesn't fit well enough. Um, and you know, uh, but like the whole point of this is so flawed. And you brought it up last night. You made a similar point. It's like. Okay, so what you're saying is the Bucks should be bad at offense. That's basically what he's saying. Because basically these uh, these arguments that like the Bucks are oh they're like Bledsoe's not good enough or hasn't been good enough or mm. like Chris Middleton's not consistent enough. I mean, those are all like like if you're gonna say like the Bucks don't have enough firepower to compete with the Warriors or Cavs or Celtics or something like that, like um, well, not really Celtics. The Celtics haven't been good offensively, but like you know the the, the cream of the crop, right? The like Warriors, Rockets, whatever. Fine, yeah, but that's not. I mean, that's not also not really the bar. And it's like to say that all oh, the Bucks just aren't talented enough to play defense. Like yeah. that. That to me, that's always the question. It's like check check what your what your logic is here. So the Bucks aren't good enough to be winning games. Okay, so so they should be what. 20th in offense, 20th in defense. Like, what, what is what is the expectation there? And and for me, that's the flaw with I think a lot of the um, a lot of the the sort of semi defenses of kid is they they overlook the fact that even if you don't think the Bucks are like supposed to be a great team, their offense for all of its warts and ugliness and whatever, like the talent carries them to a pretty good offensive you know rating. Like they score points. They don't defend anyone, and to say that the Bucks, like to say the Bucks aren't talented enough defensively, like just simply untrue. get the fuck out. I mean, yeah, like it, it's just now, like you just go home, like that you're wrong. So, um, so anyway, so uh, and not to pick on Nick Ferdinand specifically, really, so whatever, but um, but yeah, I think that's just a logical flaw in, in a lot of the kind of uh, attempts to to you know sort of break this down. But I, I don't know. I mean, I, you want to talk a little bit? I mean, you've been. Um, 
putting yourself through watching and listening to some of these <laughs> national media takes and some of these, uh, you know, former player takes, which I, I just saw the KG area 21 discussion and my like brain hurts. Um, <laughs> Uh, I did not see the inside the NBA take, but uh, I, I think I don't know if you have thoughts. But uh, obviously, uh, former players shockingly are more defensive of Jason Kidd than people like us or Nathan Kidd and Danny Larue. Yeah, so I guess kind of like what you said was uh, that was something I kind of laid out last night. Was if you were someone in the national media that was critical of the Bucks in. And like your reasoning was, oh, they don't do this or that offensively, or they're not good enough or not talented enough, and it's just like you're missing the boat. <laughs> that, that that's not the thing that's killing them. Being 25th defensively is what's killing them. So um, I think that's where if you have some hope going forward for this team to improve, I don't want to say by leaps and bounds, but to look significantly better, it would be on the defensive end. So um, yeah, I I would agree that if that is a a take being thrown out there, that it's probably just not quite hitting the target. Um, And I I was telling you this uh, as uh, I watched the jump, highly questionable, um, as I watched PTI around the horn, um, there was a couple things that kept coming back around and the first one was jk didn't get enough time with him which i mean i understand milwaukee is not on the the priority list of anyone out there but three and a half years isn't enough for a coach like that's that's not enough what is enough like uh, if three and a half years isn't enough do you get five years as a coach like that's that's what you need to be able – and, again, I I know immediately you can throw the argument, well, he only got one year of peak Giannis or, or whatever you want to say, and that's fine, whatever. Um, but three and a half years, he didn't figure out how to put together a defense that worked. Like, or he, he did in year one and then couldn't figure it out in years two, three, and four. Like, uh, there, how is time going to improve that? <laughs> that that's not something that that I subscribe to. So so that was a big one that that I think uh, I saw at a lot of different places was just not enough time. And uh, I just think you're really not understanding really anything that's going on in Milwaukee if you think he hasn't had enough time. Um, and then one of the other ones was kind of this convoluted argument that somehow gets at. Uh, the devastated comments uh, that okay you you've you've screwed it up with your superstar you really pissed him off by telling him before the coach was gone and showing him tons of respect um, but because he was devastated that he lost the first coach that he had a real connection with that you're pushing Giannis away and and Giannis is going to leave Milwaukee and he, it's just a, a ticking ticking bomb and the clock just keeps ticking on that which again like as it was true this summer it is still true today Every single day, there will be less time on Giannis's four-year, $100 million deal. That is not changing anytime soon. That is the most basic law of time. It, it will continue to move forward. So I don't deny that the clock is ticking because the clock will never stop ticking. But to suggest that because the Bucks got rid of Jason Kidd, 
in three and a half years, they won't be able to convince Giannis that he should stick around in Milwaukee, or that even in a even in a year or half a year, the rest of the season, that they won't be able to convince Giannis that hey, maybe this guy, even though you liked him, wasn't the best for your development, wasn't the best for the team, whatever it may be. And it's just another strange take, which, uh, again, allows you to fantasy book the NBA where you can just put guys wherever you want them. And you can say, oh, well, just imagine Giannis with uh, whoever, whatever star, Anthony Davis, because that's another person that keeps getting fantasy booked on other teams. Um, like you, you just get to kind of do that. So like I can understand the appeal of saying, oh, well, this is just going to open up Giannis to leaving because that leads to more things to talk about. But at the same time, just I don't think it could be further from the truth. Um, and that was just another one and and i guess also for i mentioned it briefly last night but from the moment that woge broke the story that jason k was being fired i know you and i talked on the phone shortly after we had both said that okay well jason k got fired like the next 24 hours are going to be very interesting because this is not going to be a simple, I really appreciate the time the Bucks gave to me kind of situation. Like there was going to be other things there. And uh, for as, as bad of a quote as Jason Kidd can be in, in a pregame media session, I'm not sure anyone is more aware of how to play the media game um, than Jason Kidd. Like he, he understands how to leak things and who to give stories to and, and what things he needs to say to make himself look good. Like he gets all of that. He understands that he was in the league for 20 years. Like he, he, he knows how to do all of those things. So for, for this to sort of happen and to see him kind of take advantage of this window before Giannis talks and uh, for him to kind of get his side of the story out um, to tell the truth, I suppose, um, for him to get this time like that, I don't think any of that really surprised me. Yeah, and you know, I mean, the especially from the national perspective, like the Bucks matter because people are fascinated with Giannis and superstars, and you know what drives so much of the random fan interest is, you know, how do we Photoshop Giannis into some other team's jersey and have that be something that's a talking point that we can, you know, get retweets and whatever clicks and blah 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 around, right? So, um, so yeah, and it, like I said yesterday, I mean. I think the Giannis reaction, I mean, I'm curious to see what he says publicly, you know, about this. I'm sure he'll he'll say something about, you know, how he appreciates how much of what Jason did for him and all this other stuff. I'm sure he'll say something. I mean, even if he didn't like it, he would say nice things about him because that's just the type of person he is. He's, you know, a loyal guy. He's not mean spirited, all that stuff. Um, and I'm sure there was a shock factor for him because, you know, again, it's it's a big it's a change, right? I mean, he's he's a young guy. Um, but you know, he's young and, and I think we'll get over it. And I think it says a lot more about Giannis and, and you mentioned, you know, um, not just the type of person he is, but also he's young, maybe a bit naive about some things still, cause he hasn't been through this really very much. Um, and I think it says a lot more about that than, than it says about Jason Kidd that, oh, actually, no, they should have kept Jason Kidd because Giannis liked him. I mean, I don't know. Like I, I was, I was trying to decipher what, First off, two things can well many things can confuse me about the Kevin Garnett 
uh, KG Area 21 thing, which normally is very entertaining. But uh, first off, how and he he always wears that hoodie and that thing always is like half on his bald head. It's I impressive. don't understand. I don't understand. He must have it taped to his head or something because I don't understand how it doesn't fall off his head completely. Um, and the other part um, is just like. Well, there, there were probably something about like how like getting Giannis the right coach and like they made it sound like Giannis is going to be this really difficult guy to get a coach for. Or it was like, oh, he's not a part of the culture. Like he's from a different country. Like you're going to yeah, find the right like, guy. And it was like, what? Yeah, I'm pretty sure Giannis loves America. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he moved here and found his career here and has made millions of dollars here. I would assume he enjoys it. Right. And I mean, he was the guy who actually liked Jason Kidd when, you know, the, the more you peel back the onion, the more you hear like everybody in the locker room, seemingly other than Giannis and Jason Terry had some reason to have an, have an ax to grind about, about, uh, about him. Um, I heard he, I actually, were you going to say Delhi? Cause I was told yeah. today that I was told today that maybe not even Delhi actually. Um, oh, wow. although I don't know if Jason, I don't know if Delhi really has a, has a good, <laughs> Delhi probably should be appreciative of Jason Kidd, even if he didn't like him, just because it seemed like Jason Kidd had a substantial role in getting him paid, and he obviously continued to play under under Kidd. So whatever whatever there may have been there, I don't know. If, uh, Jason Delhi's probably the one guy who should like Jason Kidd more than 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 the average person. So, um, but yeah, and I thought that was sort of the other interesting thing too is just sort of this assumption, um, and and maybe we can dovetail this into um, Jabari Parker's comments today because I think. The the Bucks the perception of how the Bucks um, like locker room would view this seemingly for, for especially for for outsiders for people who you know are national media um, and and even local people right because I mean, it's not like we constantly hear people talking internally about what their opinions of Jason Kidd is but um, there was sort of this this contrast Giannis ah oh, you know the pro kid report saying you know his his boys Chris Haynes and you know, others saying like, oh, he's devastated, right? Mm-hmm. And then um, the flip side, you know, Ryan Rosillo and others uh, noting that Jabari Parker, not on great terms with Jason Kidd. Um, and it was interesting how like those two guys were kind of used as like, oh, well, he didn't get along with Jabari, so maybe that's partly why he got fired. But he got he got along with Giannis, so therefore, like maybe they shouldn't have fired him. Yeah. And it's it's kind of interesting. I think like if you peel it back, it seems like there are a lot of people. And and part of this, you know, also, I mean, admittedly, some of this is also just if you spend long enough in a place, you know, stuff's gonna probably grate on you. And Jason Kidd, his personality, obviously, like is gonna rub some people the wrong way. I mean, you know, it seems like I mean, history- I, I was gonna say I wrote about it at ESPN uh, Milwaukee today, like. Not just Jason Kidd's personality, which has worn on people in the past, but like his just general coaching decisions and just like the way that he uses players where some nights you'll get a DNPCD and some nights you'll play 30 minutes and then other nights you'll play two minutes. And like there's just so much stuff that just goes back and forth and you don't really know what's going to be coming for you the next night that as a player, that's that's annoying that that, that yeah. makes your life difficult well and it, it, there's two sides to it, right i mean if you're if you're a guy who should be playing every night and because of that you're not playing every night you're frustrated and if you're a guy who shouldn't be playing every night but you catch random 15 minute games and maybe you're not that good and you shouldn't be playing so you don't play as well you probably shouldn't be that frustrated by it but 
because these are NBA athletes and they kind of all think that they should play, those people are probably also frustrated mm-hmm. by it. So it's almost like, you know, you can't you can't make anyone happy sometimes with that. And and to be honest, I, I have always been less critical of some of the rotation stuff like that than than other things. But I, I absolutely would agree. I think, you know, if you want to talk about like Malcolm Brogdon, who goes for a career high the day that Jason Kidd uh, gets fired, um, I'm not saying that's com- direct causation, but uh at a minimum, there's correlation there. Um, I mean, we've seen Malcolm Brogdon have some very quizzical looks on his face uh, publicly yep. <laughs> for benchings, for not getting minutes um, under Jason Kidd, especially this year. And Malcolm, I, and Malcolm strikes me as both too smart to like really like Kidd, <laughs> yeah, but also too smart to draw attention to that or make that too well known because he knows he's still a young player and he's a you know an upstanding guy and a team first guy so he's not really gonna kind of make a big deal out of it but you know like the the, the look on his face when he was he when they basically forgot about when kid basically forgot about him in that game and Giannis uh Giannis on the bench is like you okay and he's like yep he's like and he's like yep and then he just like looks at him like I don't know what the hell's going on (laughs) I mean, that was that that I think is one of those those moments that that you remember with with Brogdon. And I, I don't know. It, and again, I mean, then it, recently he gets restored to the starting lineup. So it's it's, it's just a, it's just been a strange kind of kind of, you know, plotting journey for, for a lot of these guys. And um, yeah, I mean, again, it, part of it, you know, again, if you're not that successful and you're in any place long enough, like people you're not not everyone's gonna love you especially with a personality like kids your quirks um, aren't fun like if yeah. you're losing <laughs> it's not like oh it's kind of it's kind of fun how he he does this thing like then it sucks like if you're losing then it really sucks but if you're winning like oh it's kind of fun like you know he gets everyone everybody involved. plays like everyone can feel like they're part of the team and yeah and uh there was a sports illustrated report that came out today that uh from Jared Zwirling of Sports Illustrated, according to Zwirling sources, Kidd would play mind games with some of the players during film sessions and timeouts, talking trash and not comforting players. Zwirling sources add that along with the lack of communication between Kidd and the players' management, also felt that Kidd wanted too much personnel control. And when you think of playing mind games with players, like I, I got to say, as I was thinking through players that really would not have enjoyed that, Malcolm Brogdon's number one on the list, right? Like someone that, as you said, is just like too smart for all of that. Like this is a dude that has his master's de- degree, obviously very intelligent. Like, uh, okay, his nickname is the President. Which okay, maybe now, maybe now that has a different meaning as far sure. as diplomacy in those things. Sure. <laughs> but, but like at the t- in general, yeah, like he's a very smart guy, and sitting sitting him out the first twenty minutes against the T Wolves, like isn't something that's going to make him play harder or better or do anything. It's just going to piss him off. And uh, I think largely uh, that that kind of happens. So, um, yeah, it, it is kind of interesting to think about all those things. And, and you mentioned Jabari Parker um, and the fact that uh, he was practicing with the herd today and he was asked about um, the report from Ryan Rossillo that uh, he wasn't talking to Jason Kidd anymore and some of the other reports that there just wasn't a great relationship there and he denied it and said that oh yeah like when we cross paths like I, I like we're talking which again might not be like the the best sign that when you cross paths with someone is when you talk to them but 
that's beside the point. Um, and I know today some people asked about how I'd said that it's kind of an open secret that they don't have a great relationship last night. And I had some pushback on Twitter for it. And I, I asked you before we recorded, I was like, all this was pretty obvious last January, right? Like in January of last year, the Bucks had a team only meeting, like a, whatever you want to call it. It was players and coaches. Um, so not a players only meeting, but a players and coaches only meeting after a game. And essentially, everyone pointed their finger at Jabari and said, Jabari is the reason that the defense is not working. And Jabari told Charles Gardner and told him that, yeah, everyone kind of pointed their finger at me and I stood up for myself and it didn't go well for me. Like I kind of got thrashed for it. And sure enough, the next, is that the word he used thrashed? I remember he used a word like that, which which I remember thinking, I mean, Jabari Parker is, one of the weirder sort of interviews and I don't know, he's, he's tough to really sort of, let's just say this. I take any Jabari Parker interview and put it aside and look at through a very specific lens. Um, but that I just remember really sticking out because it just did strike me as, as just a very, it's a strong word, strong word. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that happens. He gets benched after that. Um, I wrote a story last year about Jabari Parker and his three-point shooting, and he mentioned something about, you know, the hell with it. Like, I'm going to shoot threes. You don't say the hell with it if people are encouraging you to shoot threes. Like, that, that's not a phrase like, oh, yeah, you know, the seven seconds or less sons. Like, it, it was like, well, you know, the hell with it. I'm going to shoot these threes. Like, no, you were encouraged to do that. Uh, so, like, there was just so many things built up and the benching and saying he got thrashed. And, like, it was just surprising to me that people push back on that because, I mean, I, I, I thought that was very public last year. Um, and getting injured shortly after that. Like, I don't think there was ever really a chance to kind of repair that relationship through playing. And I would also guess that it didn't help much that the Bucks found success after he went out because then you're in an organization that's already pointing the finger at you, um, a coaching staff that wants to blame the defensive problems with you, um, and some of the losses that they had, that 10 of 12 stretch where things got really ugly, they want to blame that on you, and then things go better once you go out. Well, what do you think that same coaching staff was had in their heads that, oh, well, Jabari was out, and that's why we were better. Like Those same things were going to continue. So, um, yeah, like I said, like it was kind of strange, and uh, I had not heard that it had gotten to the point where they were not talking. So um, I don't know if I would have agreed with that. But, yeah, I think a, a, frosty, a frosty relationship between Jabari Parker and Jason Kidd, like, yeah, that was that was certainly the truth. Here's the here's the exact quote, and this is um, I think from Charles Gardner's article last year. Um, this happened uh, January twentieth, twenty seventeen. So basically one year ago exactly. They lose um, lose big to the Magic, um, and here's the the article. So it says coaches and players are part of the locker room meeting to address the team's issues. Jabari said, "quote It's being more enthusiastic, looking forward to the next game. We'll find our way out." I spoke up for the first time and it didn't go my way. I was getting thrashed, but hey, as long as I give them another perspective, I did my job. And then the, he got uh, not benched for the whole game, but he didn't start the following game. And um, I'm trying to think. <laughs> this is so long ago, so I'll just I'll just ask this. I remember Greg Monroe. Did we hear this from someone, or was it 
or did, did was there a, an interview where Greg Monroe seemed to think it was stupid? <laughs> like, I just remember, I remember because afterwards, I, yes. I wasn't really no, sure the, what to no, make. No, what of happened? It. Uh, Greg Monroe, uh, the following game, let's who they played that night, the Heat, and I think that was yeah, at they home. Played the Heat. Yeah. Uh, we walked up to Greg Monroe and we're getting ready to ask him questions post game, and he was like, Oh, better watch out, y'all. I don't know if I can talk to you. And I like I thought it was funny, and I was like, oh, that's a pretty good joke. Um, and then Greg's like, no, man, like you got to talk to Dan. And, and he was talking about Dan Smechek from Bucks PR. He's like, you got to ask Dan, like, Dan, can I actually talk? Like, can I? Is that okay? Or like, is that a, is that gonna be a problem if I talk to the media? Uh, and Dan just like shook his head, and then like Greg kept going because this was a point that he wanted to prove that he did think it was stupid, and he just kept going. Yes, and to be clear, he thought it was stupid that Jabari was benched for this. Correct, and he just like kept going on with the joke, like I don't know, y'all. I don't think I can talk to you. Like I want to get suspended for the next game, and it was just like, okay, point proven, Greg. Like I appreciate that you have proven the point, but I mean, again, that was another person I mentioned in my article. Greg Monroe went through a bunch of this stuff. With, with his Bucks coaching staff, where he would get DNPCD'd, he would get blamed for defense, like all of the, all those same things kind of happened. So, uh, again, I'd, I'd, I was a little surprised that people were surprised that that relationship uh, between Parker and Kidd might not be great. Yeah, and, and look, I mean, Jabari is, is obviously a really unique character, unique player. Um, I, I think he's one of those guys, like, I have a hard time even, like, sort of explaining. <laughs> like he's such a he he's so much weirder as a personality than I sort of expected like like I know he's like a solid gold sort of person outside of the context of like his life as an NBA player like I would really want to make that clear like I think he's got a great heart and you know we've talked about like when he's talking about things that are like not basketball he's really thoughtful and he does great things with the community and youth and and you know Milwaukee Public Schools and things like that but you just never know like really where he's going, like what he's thinking almost with, with stuff he says about like it, it, good or bad. Like when things are going well or poorly, like he uses words like that. You just like, don't think he knows the meaning of the word, even though he's like probably one of the more book smart players that like that you'll mm-hmm. find. Like, I mean, he's not like a stupid guy or anything like that, but he's just such a, an interesting character. And like, I mean, you saw it even around the draft, like, you can tell like respect matters to him a lot. And, and I feel like, you know, that was probably the underlying a lot of this because look, I mean, and again, a lot of the underlying stuff around him and kid, I think is because there was this, I'll call it a perception, but you know, just the sense that, you know, and, and Jabbar used the term scapegoat today to describe Jason Kidd's firing. But, um, J- you know, Jabari has been used as a scapegoat for the Bucks defensive problems. Mm-hmm. And I- I'm sure it was, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm sure on some level Jabari has been amused. I don't know if Jabari has been tracking the Bucks' defensive rate, rating or its rate ranking, <laughs> but um, I, it would not be lost on Jabari the irony of the fact that Jason Kidd's defense this year is the worst it's ever been and Jabari Parker hasn't played a minute. Um, and I think there's been sort of a, a, a history of that with Kidd where it seems like Kidd tries to use, you know, whether it's Greg Monroe or... Jabari Parker, basically whoever's the worst defender at that time 
is the reason why the Bucks can't play defense. Mm-hmm. And over time, all those guys have been eliminated, whether injury or Monroe's trade or whatever it might be. And his defense has somehow gotten even worse. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why going into this year we said, like, this has to be a top 10 defense. Otherwise, they're not doing the job correctly. Right. So, I, I don't know. I mean, there's just – I just think this is one of those things, right? And And you peel back the layers. I mean, look, again – their baggage comes with anybody being in any situation for an extended period. But with Jason Kidd, his personality, I mean, these stuff just, these things just got more pronounced. It just, it just seemed over year after year. Um, the personality stuff was, was just so challenging. And, um, in terms of like takes, um, I don't know if you, I think somebody tweeted it out today. Um, I don't know if you listened to the ringer NBA, uh, show with Chris Vernon and, and, uh, Kevin O'Connor today. Did you, did you listen to that one? I did not know. So, um, a really interesting comment from Chris Vernon, who uh, knows Ed Stefanski, who some people may remember as being interviewed um, for the Bucks. Well, he was interviewed for the Bucks' assistant GM job a couple years ago and didn't get that when um, Justin Zanuck got it. And then he he actually did interview for the Bucks' GM job this summer. And Stefanski told Vernon that he was meeting with the Bucks, you know, owners or whatever, and. Stefanski goes way back with Kid to their to their I guess Nets days, and Chris Vernon says that like they play golf together, like they are in a, they're they're generally on good terms, right? Ed Stefanski and Jason Kidd are are on good terms, and Stefanski still made a comment in his interview where he said, "If you expect me to be able to control Jason Kidd, there's a better chance of me stepping outside this office building and." pushing the building with my bare hands or something like that, basically like mm-hmm. basically implying that even though he has a good relationship with Jason Kidd, there's no way he can control Jason Kidd. And you know, this sort of also gets to what we talked about yesterday. And, and one of the feelings that I've had for years now, which is that no matter how much success the bucks are going to have, no matter how much the bucks sort of tried to make it work, bring in a new GM, bring in new front office people, whatever it might be, there would always be this cloud hanging over them over the weirdness of how Jason Kidd arrived here, the ambitions he may have had or and may the power he may have had at various points, which mm-hmm. seemed to dwindle over, obviously in recent years. Um, all this stuff that just just hung over the Bucks organization, like the idea that there was ever going to be a well aligned you know, and Wode talked about alignment and that not existing. Um, the idea that that was ever going to happen in Milwaukee, as long as Jason Kidd was around, was always just it seems like that was never going to happen. And and that's obviously, I think, a big reason why I said I was relieved more than anything when when things happened yesterday. Um, but anyway, um, that, that that was just an aside. But, you know, again, sort of speaks to just the challenge of, of managing someone like Jason Kidd. And, and let's be honest, I mean, that's not having a coach who, first off, you know, hasn't been successful in sort of the grand scheme of the universe, um, hasn't been able to get his team to play one side of the ball in three years, um, has some level of ambitions for personnel, has shown no proclivity for being capable in that department, and has a personality that can't really be controlled. And you also then just hired, you know, a super young GM who's very green and doesn't have a lot of experience. I mean, all these things are just like, this isn't going to (laughs) work. Like this is this is like particularly functional and and that's why you know again it, it just like let's just move on you know that that was sort of that that's that's the relief factor for me I, I don't know anyway I got derailed a, a fair bit there but um 
Anything else you want to talk about Jabari or, or any other kind of takes that, that you saw? I don't think so. I think we're going to end it with the beef that we got to squash. Oh, yeah. Beef. So we got beef, Frank. Um, <laughs> you you let me go last night, but now you're saying that you got a problem with me. So um, I feel like we're going to have to have it out. On last night's podcast, I said that I don't think Bucks fans and their – hatred of jason kidd uh the fire kid stuff i I said that i done i did not believe that that had anything to do with jason kidd getting fired yesterday and you did not agree with me yeah and 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 as we were discussing before the pot i mean there there there's some there's a lot of layers to this obviously i feel there was expletives used before the pod when frank brought brought this up i told him to politely f off it was it was i mean some i thought i felt like it was somewhat playful but um you, <laughs> it was, you, you it said it in a way that you said it, it was somewhat playful uh, so here, here's my feeling okay and, and so and and i'll i'll let you rebut it because you you also brought some good points but so i and again I, i'm not saying that you know 50 fans you know changing their avatar to fire kid is what convinced the box to go from you know being happy with jason kid to firing him Okay, like obviously that's that's not what I'm saying, but um, in in the the way kind of you know the way everything is so interconnected now, right? Um, fans broadly, when fans begin to when when the, the sentiment around a player, a coach, whatever, you know, shifts in ways that you know goes beyond just sort of like very incremental things, right? Like I think over the last not not like in the last two weeks, but like over the last months, over the last year, um, there has been this very clear shift, right. From Jason kids, like, Oh, Jason kids fine. Like, you know, he's young. Like that was weird how he got there, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, second year was bad, but like, well, now they're like playing better. You know, there's sort of this, like there were obviously kind of like peaks and valleys and trends. And, um, as you pointed out, I mean, Jason kid was almost fired last summer before the height of, you know, fire kid mania that we saw recently. Um, but I, I think that fans, you know, when it gets to the point of fans booing kid during it, apparently happened at least one game recently. Um, when it gets to the point of, you know, the default of like media is generally to not talk about coaches getting fired, but everybody sort of has had to confront Maybe not Jason Kidd, like, oh, he should get fired, but like Jason Kidd doing really weird stuff and really questionable stuff in games and questions about kids' decision making and rotations that like and all Jason these other Kidd, things. Not people. Sorry, what? You're talking about just Jason Kidd getting himself. Well, I mean, yeah, that, I know, that but, just but, sounds but, like Jason Kidd's strategic decisions. That doesn't sound like people doing anything. You're right, but that's talking about it, talking about it. I, I think that if you get people angry enough, and, and I think the, the most interesting thing is, you know, like if if you and, and you brought up the point, you said, well, does Wes Edens read Twitter? I have no idea. I have no idea if Wes Edens has a secret Twitter account. I don't know if he cares. I don't know if I would read Twitter if I was Wes Edens, to be honest. I know I would. But if any. <laughs> but I mean, I see it because like in people will tweet me or you and then like CC Mallory Edens or Alex Lazary because they want them to know how angry they are about Jason Kidd or they think you know the owners are terrible do they have any controlling power well no but but i'm just saying like all this stuff but but like okay (laughs) but i'm just saying like all this stuff kind of adds up 
To what? People, I mean. How much? Percentage. People talk, but people talk. You don't think anybody's gone up to Wes Edens or Mark Lazary and said, like, expressed very negative opinions about Jason Kidd in the last year. You don't think, like, they're, you think they're completely oblivious. This is, like, 1970, and they're just like, oh, I just see what's in the Journal Sentinel print edition, and I don't, I don't know what people are talking about, you know, on the internet or anybody else. I mean, they, they ha- this stuff has to filter to them. How often do you see Wes Edens out? Like, do you see him out a lot? You guys going up to the same bars, same restaurants? Well, I don't know. He doesn't come to Austin very much. But, um, but well, I, well, to your point, though, Wes Edens was courtside for a lot of very bad Bucks games, which is obviously you don't need to be reading about on Twitter to sure. see the crappiness of, of whatever. Um, but also don't need fans to tell you about how crappy it is. You can just see it with your eyes. So if you so if Jason Kidd was wildly popular, you think he would still have been fired at the exact same time? If he was doing the shit that he was doing and wildly popular, yes. Like you, you're not like if you're wildly popular, you're wildly popular because you're probably. Well, I know, I know, but we're trying to isolate. Like, but I mean, and and that's the, like the reason why I reject this is, is the, because part of the, obviously part of the idea is here is there's obviously huge amount of correlation between why people are angry about Jason Kidd and why someone would objectively, even if they're completely unaware of fan dis dislike of Jason Kidd, why they would come to the same mm-hmm. conclusion, right? I mean, that that's obviously a very fundamental thing, right? Like Wes Edens isn't an idiot, you know, Mark Lazary isn't yes. an idiot. Like they see the Bucks do stupid stuff. They see their, them in the standings. They're going to be disappointed regardless of, of what anyone's opinion is. I agree with that. Right. So it's hard to sort of disentangle. Like what is the specific contributing factor of fans themselves? Um, but to, I, I, I think that, I think that you have to care. And I think what, one thing you brought up was, well, they still were selling out games recently. They were still apparently selling season tickets to the new arena. And I think that is really interesting because I think if I think yeah. if they had not been getting that, then I think you could probably if, if there had been like a clear lack of enthusiasm about the team because of the poor play or specifically because of Jason Kidd, whatever, then and it had been hurting their bottom line, then I think or at least in a way that was more obvious, um, then I think I would think absolutely like that would matter. And, you know, I mean, my dad's a season ticket holder. He's written to his account rep saying they need to move on from Jason Kidd. (laughs) And, you know, I'm sure a lot of fans who have season tickets have said similar stuff. Now, granted, I'm sure they've said similar stuff about other coaches and whatever and hasn't gotten people fired. Um, But, I mean, to say like, well, fans don't matter. Okay, then like season ticket holders don't matter. Like, oh like, no, 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 no. That's bottom line. That's bottom line. I don't, I don't care what they sound like. I don't care what their tweets say. What do I care about that? All I care about is that in the middle of December, like right around Christmas, I think they re- sold out like five-ish straight games. And again, they got a bump from it being Chicago and then one being the Cavaliers. But like they sold out five straight games there. When you heard about what was happening with the new season or with the new arena and season tickets, that was going well. Giannis is the most popular player on the planet. Jersey sales are in the top four for Giannis. The Bucks are in the top 10 for merchandise sales. Like, if I'm the owner, I could give a shit what you say if I'm making money. Like, what do I care? Like, that's fine. But if he's a bad coach, I'll fire him. And, and and I guess the big thing for me was like, 
we talked about it over the summer, like Windhorse reported it. The Bucks were trying to decide whether or not they wanted to bring Jason Kidd back. Before the season, they were thinking about that. And as you hear uh, Windhorse talk about it today, he was talking about how they were thinking about doing it for weeks and falling to the eighth spot, like gave them that reason to do it. So like, I don't think there was, uh, again, the reason why I say like fans, fans on Twitter and fans like booing, like that doesn't mean a lot to me because I think he was, he was a bad coach as, as it was. And I guess the, it, it is what you said. Like I have a problem disentangling any of that. Like I think it all, it all you pushes boo- in the same direction. You right. boo because he's bad. Like, right. you don't boo because he's a great coach. Like, you're not going to be <laughs> yeah. like, oh, man, Steve Kerr is really drawing up some cool shit tonight. I'm going to boo the hell out of him. Like, no. Like, he's bad, so I boo him. Um, so, to me, it's all results. And if he wasn't getting the results that they wanted, he would go. And um, so, I don't know. That that was the reason why I pushed back as hard as I did because I just think it's difficult for me to to give i mean i can give like one or two percent to fans being angry in tweeting and i don't even know if i feel great about that like for the reason why (laughs) jason kidd was fired because i just don't think that really comes into it yeah i think the hardest part is the there's there's all these um core you know variables that are all correlated and and so to say just the pure fan feeling um, yep. is very difficult because the fans, the reasons the fans dislike Jason Kidd are basically all the reasons why he ultimately was fired. So, um, yep. but I think, I think part of the view from fans too is, and, and you mentioned it yesterday, I think there was so much angst that ownership, Horst, whatever, just like we're completely oblivious to, to what they were saying, to, um, what Jason Kidd was doing. Like, oh my God, they just don't, they, they must just not see what we see or, you know, they're, yeah. they, they, they're best friends with Jason Kidd and they'll never fire him. You know, I mean, there were, there were, I think a lot of people who were just really afraid that that was, Agreed. um, and that's a very, I think that goes to the fact that as a fan, you know, you do feel like powerless, like you, you know, you don't even, which you are largely, like largely, you are right. Largely I mean, powerless as a fan. Right. Um, you know, we can band together and get Giannis credit for blocks and assists that get missed. <laughs> um, so not totally powerless. Not totally powerless. Not totally powerless. Um, and like you but, really uh, could, like if you would, like if it would have gotten to a point where you said, like, screw this, I'm protesting the team. It didn't show up. Like you that, have power. You have power. Then, like that yeah. is to- that is total power. I will and, give you that. Yeah, and that's that's interesting because I know that there has been talk of people you know, getting a billboard like, you know, a few years ago in the Save Our Bucks billboard around, you know, that that was kind of getting it obviously during the Herb Cole era and, and you know, the winning takes balls billboard and, and talk of doing a fire kid billboard. And there was talk about doing other things that would be much more public beyond just just Twitter. And and it's interesting because we didn't really, you know, we obviously never got to something that was kind of newsworthy in that respect. And I think it would have been really interesting at that point if that if happened, it did happen, um, yeah. because then that would have been something that certainly goes beyond kind of more like standard, you know, fan behavior. I mean, we'll, we'll get kids gone. We will like every fan base, we will find something to be angry about. Um, that's just what we do as fans, right? Like yeah. unless we're winning championships, um, we'll find something to be really angry about and, we'll probably still be angry even if we win a championship about something. So, you know, part of that is like the human condition of being a fan. But I would say 
the kid stuff was certainly well beyond, I'd say, normal normal operating temperature. Let's let's say. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so I I would agree, and and I, and I think I mean that's to me is the most interesting thing is that it did not get to that level of, like you said, making ownership, making the organization feel like they were getting hurt financially by mm-hmm. by by having kid around, um, and, and that obviously you know does change the conversation because ultimately that's you know the fundamental relationship between fans and and an organization is you know you pay money and we go play and entertain you you're right i mean that's, yeah. that's what you do and if you're not you know if, if all the good things are outweighed by hating this coach and you're not going to spend money and you know that actually shows itself in actual diminished you know returns and all that then then that would be a big deal um we so Real quick, should we just talk quickly about the? I don't think we didn't talk about the assistant coaching uh, stuff. Yep. Um, so Chris Haynes reported. Man, we should have done this earlier. I'm sorry. I just got excited for us actually having beef because we never have any. Um, Chris Haynes reported tonight that uh, Tim Gergich and uh, Eric Hughes are going to be out as uh, assisting coaches, and um, I guess probably the first that we're going to hear of assistant coaches being gone. Um, there might be some more this week. Um, we'll just kind of have to to keep an eye on it. But as we were talking about before the podcast, the Bucks just kind of have like a strange, I don't know, a strange assistant coaching staff. Like, because Gerg isn't officially listed on anything. Like he's he's not on media guides. Um, I don't think he's listed officially as as a coach or a consultant. Like he just kind of does it, and he's around. And obviously, the other week I wrote a story about how he was helping Thon out with something, and like he's around. Um, but is he really an assistant coach? Like also, like Kevin Garnett probably isn't going to be coming to practices anymore. Um, but. <laughs> Like, is that like, wait, does, this is the guys Thon? I don't know if Thon is going to win MVP anymore. Now that, that if KG is not oof. coming to practices anymore, I mean, KG said he was going to be a future MVP, but if KG is not coming to practice, that's then, a, it's a great question. Then, then maybe Thon won't be an NBA player. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so like uh, Gerg is kind of a strange one in that he's kind of a consultant. I mean, KG's not going to be back, but also he's just a, a, a consultant. Uh, Eric Hughes, wait, wait, have, say, we, have we heard officially like, that KG isn't? We have can, not. Can you we imagine KG showing up after that weird-ass uh, KG Area 21 tonight? That would be just the height of hilarity. Like KG uh, walking up to John Horst and getting his... Uh, I, I assume KG gets paid for his like consulting he or something. To. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, but that'd be just hilarious uh, watching that interaction because, man, you you guys who didn't play in the NBA when you fire people who did play in the NBA, you are dead to Kevin Garnett. That's that's yeah. clearly the takeaway. It does certainly sound that way. Um, Eric Hughes, on the other hand, is very much an assistant coach. Like he's there all the time. Um, obviously, he's uh, you get to see him on Fox Sports Wisconsin broadcast from time to time. Um, but he is very much an assistant coach, so that will kind of be a, something that the the organization has to figure out. Like obviously, you 
you lose your head coach, everyone moves up a rung, which also means, well, one rung is empty. But now as you lose a couple assistant coaches, that means you're a little bit shorthanded. And it'll be interesting to see if there are hires to kind of fill some of those roles, if other guys just step up from from different parts of the organization. And um, we'll just kind of have to keep an eye on it. Um, I know the one that I think we're kind of talking about the most is Sean Sweeney. Um, and I think as I think about it a little bit more, obviously um, I wrote about it a little bit today at ESPN Milwaukee about Thon and mentioned Thon last night, but I just feel like with the relationship that Sweeney and Giannis have, like I, I can't imagine Sweeney would be so loyal to Jason Kidd that he gives up the ability to work with one of the five best players on the planet every single day, every single second. <laughs> that That to me doesn't, seem like a good career decision um just uh, out of loyalty to jason kidd like I, I would assume keeping that job and getting to continue to work with Giannis would be very rewarding and something that would be that'd be great for sean so um we'll see what he ends up doing but uh we'll also see if any other assistant coaches go yeah and i uh, not until we were kind of going through this exercise of like inventorying the assistants did i realize like the bucks have so many assistants like i i feel like i, I don't know i mean what, what, I feel like in like the seventies, like they had like one or two assistants or something like that, right? Like they, oh, there was like there, in seventy two, like Hubie Brown was the assistant, the, like, yeah, the assistant coach. Yeah, so it's so funny because now you have all like the Bucks have sort of steadily added guys. Uh, it feels like since Jason Kidd has been here, and you know, and I often like forget until they get interviewed at halftime. You know, like mm-hmm. you know, Josh Brohammer was added what a year ago, I think, was moved up to an assistant position stacy ogman uh has been added as well um frank johnson is sort of an assistant but basically was just working with jabari and Mm -hmm. i mean frank johnson basically hadn't worked since he got fired i think by the suns like 15 years ago or something like that and jason kidd kind of just found him and you know if you've been to games you maybe saw frank johnson working out with jabari before games um so yeah just lots of assistants and Gergerich, I mean, Gergerich is, is when we talked about, he's super loved by people been around forever. Um, you know, and that it's unfortunate, right? I mean, who know, I don't know what the context is of, of him obviously not, not coming back. Um, you know, I, I doubt it was the Bucks saying, screw you, Gerg, you suck. You're a Jason Kidd loyalist. I mean, agreed. you know, whatever. I mean, it's tough to say, And, and this is kind of one of those interesting things, right? I mean, as much as we follow the team, it's so opaque, like what assistants do and which assistants are actually good at what they're supposed to do. Oh, you they know, assist. That's, they assist. That's what, that's what you know. Assist. Um, I mean, the only thing we could, you know, the, the closest thing we get is, you know, we know Prunty was basically sort of the offensive focused coach and we know that Sweeney was sort of the defensive focused coach and we can look at whether the offense and defense had you know, schematically seemed intelligent and whether they were successful, right? Like that's pretty yeah, much. And the also extent. maybe maybe we see things change. Like right. maybe in the coming weeks we see something change and then all of a sudden do we have to like reassess whether or not we we believe that they were the offensive or defensive coordinator to the to the same extent. And maybe with Sweeney not being the head coach and Prunty being the head coach. Like if Prunty wants to do something different offensively, he can do that. But maybe for Sweeney, it's, well, you're going to do this now and the defense will change. But I don't know. It'll just kind of be interesting to see in the next couple of weeks. Like does the offense or defense change? Um, because you would think part of the reason for Jason Kegan getting fired was the defense being bad. So 
does Joe Prunty uh, tell Sean Sweeney that, okay, the defense has to become more conservative? Like, is that something that happens? I don't know. Yeah, I think that's the most interesting. It's one of the interesting things, which, you know, again, to this point of uh, Jason Kidd not being someone that anyone can easily control. Um, you know, we, we obviously had tried to, you know, I don't know if any fan base has spent more time, you know, closely watching uh, pick and roll coverages and yeah. <laughs> like, you know, just some of the, and a lot of this oh, Bucks fans know their shit at this point. Yeah. Like, like they, we, they got high hedges, they got blitzes down, <laughs> like they got it all. And, uh, and we of course owe a major debt of gratitude to our Fendine money at, for, uh, at all the Bucks logging so much of this stuff so dutifully. Um, so I will, I will, I will, uh, you know, defer to Dean to see if he sees anything different on, on either side of the ball. Um, I think Dean mentioned he didn't really see any that sort of thing defensively on Monday. But again, I mean, literally there were a few hours between Jason Kidd getting fired and, and this game. <laughs> that's so, it. We're scrapping um, it. Yeah. And that's what I thought when, when Horst made the comment about like, oh, we're going to have a plan by Friday, which to me, you know, again, was was a misstep as far as the messaging around it. Like, you know, the fact that they initially didn't say, Prunty was going to be the guy. And then an hour later at halftime of the game, like they had clarified that, uh, mm-hmm. um, that was obviously a bit of a misstep, but, um, one, you know, when I was thinking about like, well, why, you know, what, what would you be planning? Um, I think obviously, you know, you have to obviously make a decision that you're not going to go and, you know, pursue some, some full-time hire, which I would have to think that they had discussed that beforehand. Um, but, obviously you don't know how people are going to react to you to the point about, you don't know how the, the existing staff is going to react and what the feeling is going to be and, you know, who's going to do what. Um, and you also, I think, you know, and it, it's been suggested that the bucks obviously had maybe pushed for kid to be less aggressive in his defense at various points this season and ultimately gotten pushed back and sort of, they went back to doing a lot of what they used to do. Uh, clearly with Jason Kidd gone, the assistant coaching staff, we'll see i mean maybe part of this conversation around like who's going to be back is this is what we want you guys to do are you guys willing to execute this or are you guys going to you know go off and pull a jason kid on us because we don't frankly want you around if you're going to do that so yeah it's going to be interesting to see you know i mean it kind of reminds me a little bit of you know just like you know like the old Moneyball a's where it was like you had a manager but you sort of (laughs) had the front office basically defining or or even the rockets you know to a large extent right i mean the, the rockets front office you know, I think back to like Kevin McHale, who's not, you know, now you think of Mike D'Antoni, it's like, well, D'Antoni doesn't need to be told to shoot, to shoot three pointers. Um, but when, you know, Kevin McHale was there, I mean, it's not like Kevin McHale's natural philosophy was necessarily what Daryl Morey wanted to do. And that had to be, I think, clarified. And, and that was something that the front office had a, had a major role in terms of stylistically how the Rockets played. Um, and again, not to say that the Bucks are going to turn into the Rockets, but are they going to, are we going to see something similar? Or maybe the front office plays a more mm-hmm. active role in saying, we need you to play this style because we need to understand if this team can play this way and what is real and what is not real. And so I think that'll be an interesting thing. It, interesting litmus test, especially with a few days off ahead of this next game, which obviously, um, you know, would have been a, uh, uh, today would have been a good way, good day to make this move, uh, given you have a few days to sort of reset and get your bearings a little bit. Not that you're going to totally change anything in, in a few days, but, uh, yeah. All right. Speaking of a few days off, obviously we have a few more days of podcasts to fill up so we can talk about some more of this all tomorrow. And mailbag. Should we do a mailbag tomorrow? I feel like 
Whew. Yeah, I think so. I think we'll get inundated with questions and probably not get to all of them. But yes, I think a, a mailbag would be a fine idea. So let's do a mailbag. Uh, send them in at Eric underscore. Uh, you, oh, nope. I got to do the rules. At Lockdown Bucks. If you don't send them to at Lockdown Bucks, I'm not taking them. Yes. Or Lockdown Bucks at gmail.com. Oh, yeah. I forgot about the email. <laughs> um it, that's the only way we're taking them. So that's where you'll need to send your mailbag questions. Um, hopefully you got through this entire hour today uh, to know that you should send them in. I'm sure we'll send out a tweet as well, um, but you can do all of that. And also it is a Wednesday, so it is a draft Wednesday. Hopefully you'll join us over there. Join us on draft at Eric underscore name at locked on Frank. I believe it is at locked on yeah. Frank and at Eric underscore name. Uh, download the app. It's very easy. You can find it in the Play Store or go to draft.com. Use the promo code L-O-B-U-C-K-S. Again, that's L-O-Bucks for Lockdown Bucks. Follow us there, and then you can be a part of the games that we play. We normally try to fill up a couple leagues, normally one with new people and normally a second one with some of you that have done it before. And every once in a while, a third one if we get enough demand. So uh, if you want to get in, make sure you let us know tomorrow, and we will have all of those and send those out. So join us over on Draft. Promo code L-O-B-U-C-K-S, and you can get yourself a free play when you make your first deposit on draft. We'll do all that tomorrow. We'll also do a mailbag, so be sure to join us for that. For Frank, I'm Eric. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We'll talk to you tomorrow.